Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Just Want to Be Included. My name is Veronica Olson, and today I am again joined by my friend Christy as we continue our conversation about psych ERs and inpatient hospitals in the state of Michigan. Christy's daughter has dealt with severe mental health issues that have taken her into different psych ERs and inpatient hospitals. To put it nicely, there definitely is room for improvement. The situations some of these kids and families find themselves in while trying to seek help is heartbreaking. As always, I ask that you listen with an open heart and mind and some compassion. These are not easy conversations, but they are important. We need to find ways to provide better care and resources to those around us. Anything said in this podcast is based on personal experience, thoughts, and opinions. Nothing said should be taken as professional advice. Always look in your community for help to deal with whatever issues you or your family might be facing. Enjoy the episode. It was the social worker coming out to update us that every single psych hospital in Michigan and one in Ohio, because we live close to Ohio, had declined taking her. The social worker had nothing to offer us. Wow. And I I could tell that, you know, the social worker looked upset to be delivering that news as well. Sure. But I I look at what what can a parent do, like, when that happens. Um, I I have the benefit of having brought her out of state for residential care before because there's no residential care for private pay or... Another episode. (laughs) Yes. There's none of that here in Michigan, so we have to go out of state for residential care. And I ended up having to call one of the residential places to see if they could care for... (laughs) So, you know, when you're in this waiting room and you have... The social worker come back to you and just doesn't have good news. Do they have, any, does anybody have anything to offer you? <laughs> like, you know, because you're just stuck there and your only other option is you can go home, but then you're probably going to end up back there with something your kid does. Right. And we've done that before. Yeah. When there haven't been beds, we've been like, okay, we're going to try to manage this at home. And then we were back the next day. Yeah. Like with a self harm issue. And I'm like, we can't repeat this. We now can't just go back to let this child do this again. Yeah. So, yeah. So, in learning about those other resources, you know, when we were there for 11 days in the waiting area, I started making calls on my own. I was like, it's looking like we're not going to get a bed. And even if we do get a bed, she's still behind on what's next after inpatient because right. I don't think she can come right back home. It looks yeah. like she's going to need a residential stay. Yeah. So I started working on finding residential places for her while we were there in the ER. And that rubbed a couple of the social workers the wrong way. Like, they're like, I thought we were looking for an inpatient bed for her. I'm like, yeah, we are, but that's not going so well. Yeah. So I'm also looking for a residential facility for her. Yeah. And... You know, I had one of the social workers tell me that actually um, they wouldn't fax a packet to the residential place on my daughter's behalf, 
even though they have this packet they're sending for inpatient, they said that I would have to go through medical records and request that myself since it was a residential facility and they don't normally do that. It's not their, not their job description. Gotcha. That's so helpful. not only were they, you know, not able to find an inpatient bed, but they weren't supportive of other options. Right. And helping me figure that out. Because sitting in the ER for more days is really not a great option. No, not for anybody. <laughs> if, if when you've got something that's mentally hurting and struggling, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that sitting in the, you know, a waiting room day after day after day mm-hmm. has any benefit to it. You're safe, but that's about it. And if you're a child, you have to have a parent with you. And they're stuck there day after day after day, not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of positives to the outcome of that kind of situation. There really are no positives to, well, there's the one positive to sitting there. Someone else is helping manage your child's safety while you're sitting there. Right. But it comes at a great expense. You're right. We're, nothing else is really being provided other than basic needs. Yeah. Um, and so when we're there for days on end, um, my child doesn't get to talk with really anyone about what brought them in, like close to that event happening. There isn't therapy. There isn't someone to work that through and discuss it with her. We're just sitting there waiting for that to eventually happen. So just to put that in perspective, if you have a child that cuts themselves deep enough to where they need stitches, you go to the ER, the medical ER, you get stitched up. You go to the psyche ER, and then you're just sitting and waiting. They've determined that you need an inpatient admission, and so you're waiting for that. Yeah. In the meantime, there's no one there to pull you aside and say, hey, let's talk about this. Right. Let's let's work on what happened. Why do you think that happened? You know, what what was going on in your head when that happened? Like, right. how, can, how can we not do that again? Like, anything just to debrief, like, that incident so that they can help frame it in like a therapeutic way and even deal with it because you're not even dealing with you're dealing with it on a medical level Mm -hmm. right you're making sure that they're safe and that any medical needs have been met but then you're kind of just in this you know place of you're stalled because nothing else is dealt with Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of looking to ship you off somewhere else but when that takes days um that's problematic yeah. Yeah, it's it really is. problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I can also see how for these people in general, being in the psyche are, but especially kids, to sit there day after day and watch other people be taken to places. And they're like, yes, we have a bed for you. Come, we'll help you. Mm-hmm. And... You had the social work coming out, worker coming out and saying, you know, this hospital turned you down, that hospital turned you down. But that kid over there that's been here for one day, they've got a bed. They're, mm-hmm. they're moving. They get a bed and they have moved. Yeah. yeah. So I found that I was noticing that because I noticed, like, the patterns of, okay, if they're going to a different hospital, an ambulance comes, yeah. they bring in a stretcher, they bring that person wherever they're going off site, but... Noticing that if they're getting admitted on site, 
someone just comes and loads them into a wheelchair and they just get wheeled right upstairs to that unit and for some reason that one just hit me the most just that the facility we're at won't take my kid upstairs and give her the site care that she needs yeah. Instead, we're using resources and sitting in the ER and not really giving her the help she needs. We're just sitting in, uh, I don't know, a glorified purgatory. <laughs> like, what's going to happen here? Interesting. What, what's going to happen? It's a level of hell. <laughs> it is a level of hell. <laughs> For sure. Yes. Um, but I found that I was noticing that, and then my child would pick up on me being teary-eyed, actually. Sure. Like, Mom, why are you upset? And I just, I had a real hard time telling her, but I'm like, I I just see other kids going to beds, and they're not taking care of you. Like, it just makes me really sad. Yeah. You know, and so... That gives my child the attitude also of, why are we even here? No one wants to help me. Yeah. I I can see easily getting to that place. Yeah. Like, I'm coming here and no one's doing anything. And no one wants to help me. Yeah. And then, why are they helping other people and not me? Am I not worthy of help? Am I too messed up to even be helped? Right. Like, just the thoughts that go, go through their head. Yeah. And if you're already depressed... And dealing with anxiety, those are not big leaps to make. Right. Right. You're already struggling with your Mm self-worth. And so it's not a stretch at all to go to, well, like, I must have begun help because no one's doing anything and no one seems to be interested in doing anything. Right. Um, So, yeah, I can definitely see that. Then that puts me in the position of having to have the conversation with my kid who's already you know in a mental health crisis of just saying this isn't right I need you to know that what's happening here isn't right we're here for help and you should be getting the help that you need and and I'm sorry that you're not and you know I know it's not my fault I brought you here for help right I can't just take you home because you need the help yeah (laughs) so telling her that I am going to talk to the patient advocate and I am going to talk about discrimination. Yeah. I'm going to tell someone that I don't think this is okay. Yeah. Yeah. And have you gotten anybody kind of on an administrative level at the hospital to understand the problems there? (laughs) So I've actually asked on two separate occasions while I was there to talk with the director of the adolescent psych unit. Okay. Um, and they're like, oh yes, she'll call you. And no, those calls didn't happen. Right. Or she'll come. I, I also just said, I, I really would like her to come down here and see, yeah. like, see what, what my child is sitting through. Yeah. And, you know, I had a lengthy conversation with the patient advocate about the hospital's use of resources, because in my head, they're using resources to care for my child down in the psych ER. Right. We're taking up time. We're taking up, you know, a spot. And someone's providing care to my child. Yeah. I'm like, couldn't that resource be used upstairs in the psych area? Like, it's just yeah. a shifting. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Someone from the ER should work up there? And I'm like, no. What I'm saying is, overall, you have adolescents down here with psych needs 
and you have staff like to cover it here you know like just institutionally is there a way to reallocate what you're offering for services right because this is not a new problem right there i never brought her there and had them say oh we have a bed open you know it's it's there's always not a bed yeah there's always looking at other places there's always waiting that tells me that we need more resources yeah it's an extensive problem here in michigan i would imagine it's a problem in other states too um but and for you it became just the cycle of you know in er in inpatient you know and just bouncing around these places over and over and over again and it seems like at some point someone should be able to say okay this pattern that we've been doing hasn't been working let's try something else yeah you know and that's where i get frustrated as a friend yeah you know because someone should step and say okay we've done this this and this let's try something different and what seems to happen is you're like well sorry we can no longer help you well, and that that's the thing. It took my husband and I going, this is this horrible cycle. And we keep going in it. It's going between, okay, we try it at home. Then she ends up needing the psych ER. And it's dramatic enough where we need an inpatient admission. And she's unsafe enough where we now need to go to residential care. Yeah. And so she goes through the residential program, which is like a six to eight week program out of state. Then she comes home with PHP support or whatever, and then we repeat it. She's at home for a couple of weeks, still not learning different ways to cope with things. She slides back into the same patterns, and then the whole thing starts again. And you're right, like, it, but it it took my husband and I going, We can't keep doing this, and right, and our child's not going to survive it. Yeah, each time she comes home, her self harm is greater, the threat to her life is greater. Um, she's doing more dramatic things that are more harmful. Sure. Um, so we had to be the ones to to reach out and try to figure out a different plan. And it's a huge letdown that our system here in Michigan doesn't have a way to help us figure that out. Yeah. Like instead of all of these hospitals saying, your child needs long-term care or we can't take her because of X, Y, and Z, how about you admit her and help us find that next thing that she needs right don't say that oh the only thing we do is x y and z look at hey you may need some other options to help these kids especially kids that continue coming back in a repeated fashion like the usual stuff isn't working so help us figure out like a new thing so are the inpatient er's when you do get a bed and get admitted somewhere are they set up to kind of deal with problems long term or are they just kind of there to stabilize and then to kind of put you back whether that's home or move you somewhere else is it really a stabilization thing um so an inpatient psychiatric admission is for acute stabilization okay usually it's a medication adjustment um some of the the hospitals offer individual therapy most of them just do like group therapy art therapy try to work on some school while you're there okay um, but they manage those behaviors and they try to make things better um, with medication, basically. Okay. And then they assess for what's next. Like, is your child safe to come home? Do you need okay. outpatient resources? Do you need a residential stay? Um, they assess for that. Gotcha. So how long do you think the average inpatient stay is? What are they really set up to handle? About a week. Okay. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, every week, they're sending kids out and replacing with somebody else. And it's just the cycle of what meds are you on? What can we change? What can we do? And then you're out. And it seems like that probably helps a small percentage of kids. I'm actually thinking that, you know, my my view on it is a little bit skewed because of how severe my child's needs right. have been. Right. I, I would bet that that model helps a lot of kids. Okay. Yeah. And most of them aren't repeat customers. Okay. Like my child. Yeah. I, I know that. And I've heard stories from other people that, wow, this admission really helped. It helped okay. me figure out how I'd been doing things, how I need to do them differently, and then whatever resources they got set up with after. Gotcha. Um, the the experience we're having is a more extreme one, and I know other people um, are in that situation as well with that more extreme scenario, but mm-hmm. it's less likely than the usual. Gotcha. Yeah. So the psyche are, I, I'm struggling with having this one place where Adults, kids, families all kind of dump into to get care. It, it seems like, and I know they have security there, but it it just seems like it it's open for for problems when you have di- people from different age groups, different situations, all converging in one spot looking for help. Does does that feel like the right way to go about it? As someone who spent a fair amount of time in the psyche are. Um, I honestly don't think it's the best way to go about it with children. Okay. I think I think it's okay for adults, and the turnaround for how long an adult there is a lot shorter. Right. Um, they get moved on to whatever services they need, and okay. there are more beds, um, inpatient beds for adults. Okay. With mental health needs, but I I don't think it's a great place for children. They see everyone else's behaviors. They're more likely to mirror some of those things. Um, And, you know, if someone's having an issue being in that waiting area, like their behaviors are too much or they're disruptive um, for other people in the waiting area, they do bring you, they have three rooms in back that are more secure. Mm -hmm. They're basically a padded room with a TV in the wall and a mattress on the floor. Yeah. and my child has been put in one of those rooms before because of self-harming in the waiting area, self-harming yeah. in the bathroom. They had to move her back there because they didn't want it to trigger other patients. Right. And they couldn't keep her safe with, yeah. with the things that were even in that waiting area, which are minimal things. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I know here in this state, the number of kids who have needed psychiatric help has probably skyrocketed. In the last few years and I'm just wondering if the system that we have in place is not set up to deal with how high the numbers have gone mm-hmm. you know we're funneling a lot more kids into the system that isn't set up to deal with it on that level do you think that's part of the issue here I do think that's part of the issue and they're just there there aren't enough services um, to really attend to everyone who has the issues There just aren't. And I was reading, actually, there's an an advocacy group for parents with severe mental health needs kids Uh um, in Michigan. They were saying that Michigan's actually rated the 35th state for providing mental health services to kids. Wow. 35th out of 50. I really, I think that's terrible. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's very disappointing. Yeah. 
And it'd be interesting to dig more into that and find out why we're so low on the list. Um, but at the same time, I can believe that because I see so many people struggling, mm-hmm. finding their kids that are going to help. Yeah. And to even get in to see someone for therapy or to get into a psychiatrist yes. to manage medications, there's a months-long waiting list. Yeah. And people that are struggling with mental health, waiting months, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> no. You shouldn't have to wait at all. And just this idea of, well, I'll go to the ER. You know, we're, we're kind of trained to think that going to the ER is like this immediate solution mm-hmm. to whatever problem you have. And that's not how it's set up for mental health. Yeah. Um, and that's really heartbreaking to me. Um, and kids that end up there, you know, they need help now. Yeah. They need help now, not two weeks from now. Um, so that that's definitely hard. If What do you think, as a state, we should look at changing to provide better resources for kids and parents um, for getting help? So there really needs to be something that's more immediate. Yeah. And that you're not sitting for a long time to wait for. I feel like part of it could be done by like redistributing resources. Something interesting that I learned in the psych ER um, from one of the psychiatrists, um, it was an upsetting conversation at the time, but he pulled me aside at like day five or six of us waiting for an inpatient bed to tell me that, you know, my child might not get a bed. It was really upsetting to hear. Right. Um, but he told me that he came from a different state, um, Missouri, where he learned and practiced psychiatry to start with. And he said that any accredited um, hospital, like for psych, um, had to be willing to take the next admission, the next person who needed help. Wow. So... There weren't like 15 social workers all sending packets to multiple different places to try to find places for people. It was which place had the next bed. If they're accredited, they have to be ready to provide services for the next person that needs help, whether they need a lot of help, a little help, whatever they need. Right. To be accredited to provide psychiatric care in the state, that's what they needed to be able to do. Wow. So he said that really they only had one or two social workers on, you know, to be able to provide for those needs. So if we have less social workers spending their time sending packets, trying to find places, there's more people, social workers there to provide needs for parents, for the kids. Like, can we do the therapy? Can we, you know, have the more of that one-on-one with the therapist, which is the social worker. Sure. Um, instead of trying to just figure out what their needs are, meet some of those needs right there, you know? It, it seems almost like, you know, not using a social worker to the fullest of their capability if all they're doing is pushing paperwork and trying to find spots. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it sounds like if a social worker is in the ER, that's kind of what they're doing. They are. They're working with kids and working with families, but then they also have this huge chunk of their job where they're calling places and following up on things they've sent, and it seems like that system could be a lot easier. Like, hey, if you're accredited to provide care in Michigan, if we have a kid that needs to be admitted, like, whatever these 11 places are, you know, you once you tell us you have a bed, all the ERs and the places that need beds, you're just putting in the first person that, that needs help. 
Yeah. Like, obviously, there are some things like, hey, you have shared rooms. You can only take a male right now. Fine. That's different than right. we can't take your kid because their needs are too much. Yeah. <laughs> and that that alone seems crazy that that's It does because our needs are so much that we're here for acute care, but it's too much for an acute care facility? How do you, you're just going to send me home? Like, yeah. <laughs> send you home and good luck, I guess. Yeah, good, good luck. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, we need to find out how that happened in this state, how we got to a place where psychiatrists could just decide, uh, no. <laughs> or where psychiatric facilities aren't running under the same rules as medical. Right. Because I, I know any place that I've worked hospital-wise, you know, in this state or in a different state, we, we don't turn patients away. Yeah, they might have to wait for that bed, but we can't turn them away if they need an admission. Yeah. We need to provide the care that they need to stabilize them and treat them. Sure. Okay, well, we are going to research and find out kind of what we can do to help turn this around because this has been pretty eye-opening to me and it's been heartbreaking to watch uh, my friends um, have kids cycle in and out of there and it just, you know, gets to be a cycle and a pattern of no help and no help and no help and your kid gets worse and has, you know, bigger problems to deal with and then... Um, you keep getting turned away. And, and you have no backup is how it feels. Yeah. You have no backup. So try to manage it at home because when you go to the ER, all you get is a little bit of time. You get bought some time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But the main issues aren't being dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm definitely going to have Christy back again because we have lots to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> She has uh, dealt with a lot of different things, and um, it's been eye-opening to kind of see how our state is set up for mental health and um, where improvements need to happen. Um, and so many people in our circle um, have teenagers that are struggling. And so it's a very, a very needed thing to really talk about and explore because too many people are hurting. You know, and their, their kids are hurting, the families are hurting, and uh, it's been heartbreaking to watch. So we are going to continue to talk about this issue and some others um, so we can start helping families and kids in the state because, you know, we should, we should be willing to get help for anybody that needs it. Yeah, and there's yeah. definitely a stigma that has been there for mental health for a long time, and I'd really like to see that change because there's yeah. so many people struggling, mm -hmm. and they're not talking about it because yeah. someone might think they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like seeing a shift in our culture on that. I'm seeing it, but we need to like go all the way around the bend on that and, yeah. and treat mental health like general health. Yeah, and especially in the state from a, a care perspective – Treat somebody like they're a medical patient. Give them the same kind of level of care and consideration mm -hmm. that you would anybody else who's got a medical issue. Um, there shouldn't be any difference. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. all right. Well, thank you very much, Christy, for talking to me today. I appreciate it. And we will have you back to talk about more issues in the state of Michigan. All right. Thank you for joining me today. And a big thank you to Christy for coming on and sharing her story. It is so important 
that we find ways to help meet the mental health crisis needs of kids and families in this country and in the state of Michigan. We will continue to explore what options are out there and what changes need to be made. Hang in there. We're all doing the best we can. Have a good week.